Hey, Phil. Hey, Cinda. You want to answer some more questions from the grab bag? Uh, what? What? My, my arm's fine. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And for tonight's topic, it's going to be another topic roundup. And by the name of this show, it might be a monthly thing from now on. I don't know. It, it could it? be. I'm, I'm also going to hint it might be next week as well. It might be next yeah. week too, yeah. And, and if I had to guess, there's definitely one coming around in June right, because when we're gonna we'll be, be queuing up for Origins, origins right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, when, whenever we get a little bit overwhelmed by life. <laughs> You're going to get a grab bag episode where you don't have Indeed. to think as hard. Indeed. Yep. So this was a hard week, and now we're doing grab bag episodes. So, yep. all right. So for tonight, we have three up question two, marks. Up to three questions. Yes. We have three questions based on our timing that we're going to dive into. Um, and so they are hopefully going to be um, using a sprint in game design, the best systems to run Ditch Lily games, and to one-shot or to campaign for your first game. So let's go ahead and jump in so that we hopefully have time for all three of them. Question number one is from Michael on Twitter, who asks, Pandas Talking Pandas talk Games, I would absolutely listen to an episode about using sprint planning or any other software development-related skills to make tabletop games. Yay! Uh, so this is obviously in reference to the fact that I often post updates that I'm working on sprints of games. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not familiar with sprints, sprinting is actually a term that's used in agile software development. Uh, and the idea of agile software development is that you perform software development in these like increments where you develop some features, you then test those features, and then you kind of like, if you have any problems, te you know, with testing, you kind of put them back into the rotation. And then, like, you, you then sprint again. You pick some more features to add, and you um, you do some development, then you do testing, and, like, you basically... The goal is, at the end of each sprint, is that you have a... What, what's called a minimal viable product. That is, um, in terms of software, it is enough that it can be run, but not actually finished. And then the, it, it finishes, like, you get all the features through cumulative sprints. So you do, like, one sprint, two sprints, three sprints on and on and on until you kind of slowly build up all the features that you want in your software. So the thing is, like, you can do this with games because games are basically analog software, right? Yeah. Like, they're a set of instructions that create an experience, right? It's kind of analog software. And so um, I'm going to talk about how I do it because I don't know how other people do it. Um, but what I do and what we do, because we're writing, um, yes. cause we're writing turning points. So you're like kind of swept up into this process and then I, I absolutely this, am. Yeah. <laughs> right. I started this process when I started doing hydro hackers, but since you and I are working on turning point, you got kind of pulled into my system for this. Mm -hmm. So what we do <laughs> is we start with a backlog of things that we want in the game. Uh, sometimes they're very detailed, like fix a particular question. Sometimes they're very broad, like we need a safety chapter. Yes. And then what we do is we decide for a particular sprint which pieces of the game that we're going to work on. And our goal is 
that our minimal viable product is enough of the game to take it for playtesting. Yeah. So like our, our most recent sprint, we sat down together and we said, what are the key things? So the next time we're going to be running this game is at Origins in June, right? And we, right. we said, what are the key things that we want to make sure that we can playtest in those sessions that we are running at Origins? Because we're running four sessions between the two of us. Yep. Um, and so it was, we, we basically went through and picked through things. Like, what are the things that we need to make sure get playtested? And the things that we've basically already implemented that we need to write into the rules? <laughs> Right. Exactly. Now, for because we're playtesting it and we're leading the playtest, the rules don't actually have to be finished. Yeah. We just have to have them written down so that we're consistent. Right. So that we um, both remember them correctly. Right. Uh, but there's some layout stuff that needs to be done that yeah. actually needs the rules to be written so that I can pull stuff into layout. Yeah, I did some of that last night. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we do then is we take we take from the backlog and we load up what is going to be in the sprint. And then we begin to work on it, right? So we assign them out to you and I. You know, you're going to do this one. I'm going to do this one. We assign them out. Uh, sometimes we have each other check each other's work. Sometimes mm-hmm. if it's like a simple fix, like fix this typo, I just like do it and yeah, put it to the done. side. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Right. And then what happens is when we have gone through all the cards for that sprint, the sprint is done and our minimal viable product is a new version of the game for playtesting. Yeah. And we often label the versions by their sprint number. So, you know, I believe this is like sprint three for turning point. Yeah. Okay. So the way we manage that, hmm. uh, and no surprise, we use uh, a software tool that both you and I like. Yay. Um, Yay, we Trello. Use, we use Trello. Uh, <laughs> Trello is designed to do Kanban boards and uh, Kanban boards are often used in, um, in sprint software development. Uh, and it allows you to have basically columns with cards in it. Trello's super flexible as it doesn't actually prescribe what you do. It just has this framework of, of columns and cards, and then you can open cards and put details in them. Uh, and the way we utilize that is um, that our columns are, like we have one column that's like our big list, our big backlog of everything that we want to do. Yes. And then our next column is what we're working on for the sprint, like the backlog for the sprint. Mm-hmm. Then we have like a doing column, mm-hmm. like I'm working on this Working one. on this right now, yep. Right. We have a review column. Yep. Right? That's a, I'm done working on it, but I need you to look at it. Yeah, I just rewrote a giant section of the rules, and I should probably have you lay eyeballs on it before we decide that that's done. Exactly. And yeah. then we have a done pile. Yeah. Right? And that's the done column, and that says I finished my, I finished this task. And that's what we do. We update each other either in the, in the cards or on Slack uh, to kind of let each other know where we are. But basically, this playtest version will be done when all the cards in the sprint backlog have been finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we will playtest this version at Origins. Yeah, and then what happens is any observations from playtesting then get put into the main backlog. Right, And then we'll start the next sprint where we'll say, okay, for sprint four, which will most likely be to be ready for QCC, mm-hmm. what needs to be pulled from the backlog? And then we just continue this process one sprint after another until we've exhausted the cards Yep, from the main backlog. Right. 
And and it uh, it works really well because Trello lets us put a title on them, so we have a brief idea of what they are, and then also more description into the various cards, and then it, you know assign each other to them so that we know who's mm-hmm. like specifically working on them. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm I like it. <laughs> I like Trello. <laughs> what I like about this methodology over um, writing the whole game from end to end and then playtesting it is that we can playtest things faster. Because we're just we we get it to a minimal viable product, which is enough of the game to be play tested. So like maybe like for Hydra hackers, like there were times where the minimal viable product didn't have any rules for gear. Yeah, there was gear in the game. Yes, but there was no rules <laughs> for gear. <laughs> right, um, and and we just and like everybody just lived with that. Right, like we that just was just hand waved right. that. That wasn't what you were testing. Exactly. So and so what's what sprinting lets us do is. It lets us get the game to a playable state fast, play test certain parts of it, and then use that information to refine everything else that we're doing. Because sometimes after you've play tested, you go back into the backlog and you realize like, oh, based on what we did in this previous sprint, this card really doesn't matter anymore. Yep. Like, yeah. And we just get rid of it. Like done, gone. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, that's, um, that's using Agile slash Sprint sprints for um, for game development and uh, i'm a big fan i pretty sure i'm gonna keep developing like this until something else comes along that's you know that kind of tops it but for me right now this is the style i like to develop in which is this kind of rapid rapid agile development you know develop test fix develop test fix and then finally finish it yeah cool yeah it seems very effective to me so i'm totally on board awesome it works awesome awesome yeah. Our second question of the night comes to us from Rob Day, who asked us on Twitter, can we get an episode discussing the best systems for running RPGs based on the ditch lilies for one shots and campaigns? Yes, Rob. Yes, I mean, you can. If if there are any two people <laughs> on the internet qualified to talk about games that you could use to run the ditch lilies. Right. It would clearly us. be us. Yeah, we so, should we should probably pause for a second because if people don't listen to our outtakes, then yes. they have no idea who we are talking about, right? Correct. the The ditch lilies. The ditch lilies yes. are uh, the greatest '90s alternative lesbian college band that you've never heard of. Yes. Yes. I, I, I did get it correctly. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. They're amazing. Real briefly, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll run through all of the Ditch Lilies. Right. Run through the um, band for us. Yep. yep. I'll run through the band real quick. There is Lily, of, of course, course our Lily. lead singer. Yep. yep. She's, she, also, she's lead singer and lead guitarist, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's lead singer, lead guitarist. She does most of the songwriting as well. Yeah. There's Megan, yep. the drummer. Yep. Who is um, a genius. Yeah, Megan is actually a mathematical genius um, who kind of dropped out of college uh, because she figured out that um, math is all infused through music and really wasn't down for writing proofs as much as she was like for coming up with beats. Right. She she can proof through beats and then like feel the mathematics, basically. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. she's Megan. She's Megan. Yeah, she's really incredible. Yeah. Uh, Then there's Ashley. Yep. Um, Ashley is the bass player. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's uh, redhead. Yep. Not to be stereotypical, but she's a little fiery. Yeah, fiery. A little bit of um, a pyromaniac. <laughs> Ashley has been known to light some things on fire. On fire. Things of ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, like mm-hmm. 
those kinds of things. Yep. And then lastly, uh, there's Michelle. Yep. Um, Michelle is the other guitarist. She's the rhythm guitarist. Yep. And does harmonies. Like, she does the second vocals mm-hmm. on a lot of tracks. And, uh, yeah, Michelle's, like, it's, you know, Michelle's kind of the quiet one of the group. Yeah, like, we, we actually know the least about her. Right. Right. But not for lack of trying, right? Like, we might have a breakthrough one of these days and, and get a little more info. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to check a few more pages and see if they're yeah. still out on the web ring, and we might, we might be able to we find some Might be able to dig up info. some more stuff. Yeah. 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 So, so that's the Ditch Lilies. The thing about the Ditch Lilies, so if you didn't follow them in the 90s, like I was in college, you were in high school. Yeah. Um, or younger, to be honest. <laughs> it depends on um, when in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I was following them in the early 90s, you were still too little. But by the time like, <laughs> you were listening to, like, you were listening to more like the late Ditch Lilies, plus like some of the stuff that was starting to get shared around on uh, on CD. Right. Like, and I was for me, it was torrenting things by the time yeah. I got to college, you know, we were... We're yeah, we were buying stuff. we yeah. were buying handmade cassettes, cassettes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, after concerts and things. But the thing that you really need to know about them is um, that they were pioneers when it came to alternative music, and actually, a lot of mainstream alternative music thing, like named bands that you know now, actually credit the Ditch Lilies. Um, usually not formally, but um, you can tell their influences. Like you can tell yeah. that they've been influenced by the Ditch Lilies. Definitely, yeah. And they're, so the things that we can say about them is their music tends to be really like a, a kind of like '90s Brit pop, sometimes punky alternative sound. Right? Uh, is that yep, how you'd I, label it? Maybe I would. I would definitely when the band is um, when the band's all playing together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. But Lily is also known for doing kind of like um, yeah, she'll. She'll just like sen- like sensitive, you know what, what is what is what is it? Um, Hannah Schaefer calls it in um, oh. sensitive wi- sen- sensitive, sensitive women, women with yeah. guitars and pianos. Yeah, right? yeah, That's, she does that too. Yeah, yeah, she Definitely. does that too. In fact, yeah. I mean, Sarah McLaughlin actually got that shtick from yeah. Lily. From Lily, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, but see, they the, didn't uh, they didn't want to go big. They didn't want they didn't want to sell out. So exactly. Uh, and the other thing that we have to remember about the Ditch Lilies is that at different times throughout their history. They have all dated one another. Yes, all of them. It is yep. right. It is a very messy. The band has broken up like nearly, I think, fifteen times. Yeah, they always um, get back together though. It's really good. It's usually when Lily and Megan get back together again, then they get the ba- the band back together again, right? Yeah, it, it it has been very messy over the years. Yeah, um, but it is a thing about the like it's a thing about the Ditch Lilies is that usually who Lily's dating has a lot to do with the tenor of the album. Yes, or that, who um, Lily's just broken up with. Yes, yeah. yes. That um, has a lot like, to do with it. Like that friction, friction and, ag- and aggression. Yeah, Last yep. Broken Heart. Yeah, yep. those are good albums. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. yeah, if you're not a fan of the Ditch Lilies, <laughs> then, like, good luck finding, you should just stick with us. Like, right. real, um, <laughs> We can totally real, fill you in on this, yeah. Yeah, we'll totally fill you in on this. Like, that's a thing we can do. Okay. Yeah. So now, uh, having said that, and we just touched on this a little, like some of the main tropes about the Ditch Lilies, obviously, is that they uh, they gig a lot. Yep. Um, in small, crappy places. Yes. Yep, that's definitely their thing. Small, crappy places, like, lots of driving in the band van kind of thing, like lots yep. of travel. Um, yep, absolutely. So, you know, they have all sorts of run-ins and encounters traveling from place to place. Right. They, they um, are very political because they're, like, extremely feminist. Yeah, this is actually what killed them for going mainstream. Right. Like, this is what, I mean, essentially record labels were like, look, we could, we could, we could produce you, 
but you got to like tone down this feminist rhetoric and right. you know they were basically the, like the world fuck wasn't off. ready yeah the yeah. world wasn't ready they would like if they came out now yeah they would be like yeah. yeah yeah i mean you know now now we've got like janelle monet monet and uh yeah. you know it would be like that kind of thing it's a different e- sound but like exactly yeah yeah Yep. They were just, they were way ahead of the time. They were way ahead of the time, yeah. Uh, and then the other part is um, messy relationships. <laughs> very messy relationships, yeah. always. Very. In the yeah. band, outside of the band, all over the place, very messy. Okay, yeah. so we went back and forth. We collected a handful of games that would be perfect to play the Titch Lilies. Yeah, depending on what tone you're going for. Yep, I- I'm going to do the first one. Yeah, you do the first one. Because I the first one was my pick. If you wanted the drama elements like really wanted to play up the the interband drama then i would recommend um hillfolk that game is pretty much geared for like kind of hbo dramas and uh certainly the trials and tribulations of the band their relationships gigs and all that stuff can all be accurately portrayed uh using the hillfolk system it's not actually the hillfolk system i can't remember the oh drama system it's the drama, drama system mm-hmm. there we go it's the drama system that would be perfect for playing this out. Yeah. Okay, what's the next one? If you weren't, like, if you didn't want to be so serious about the game. Right, like, if, if you're you not in it for the, the interpersonal drama, if you're in it for, like, playing awesome freaking music in, like, crappy venues and doing all the, like, battles of the bands and stuff, then it has to be Rockalypse, because that is what that game is built for, and it's beautiful. And you could absolutely do that with the Ditch Lilies as your cast in Rockalypse, and they could, like, they could go off and, and, and have a battle of the bands and stuff, and you could still plop in a bunch of those setting, um, the cool setting elements that are built into that game as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You could totally have you know, you can totally have Lily facing off, you know, against Norse gods. Oh, hells yes. I mean, it's Lily. You think she's going to not face off against a Norse god that pops up? I don't think so. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, Um, she's probably going to win, too. (laughs) Just saying. Hey, if we're talking about a group of girls and Uh friendship and and, and doing and like, Uh you know, saving the day. Uh Is there another game you could also recommend? Oh, I thought you were going to say it. Well, yeah, I guess you could also play it in Love and Justice, which is a pretty awesome game, if I do say so myself. Because you could actually play the Ditch Lilies as a set of magical girls, right? Like musical magical girls who are a band but also save the world. That would be pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I really want know, someone the, to do that now. <laughs> the theme the theme would be music, right? Of Each of them has yep. an instrument, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, it would be, it would be good. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, my next pick. Oh, we talked is, about this one today, and I'm so excited about it. <laughs> yep, my next pick is uh, Alex Roberts' uh, upcoming game, Starcross. So good. If you've ever read Lily's live journal, yeah, there is the moment where uh, Lily discovers that she's queer. Right. And it's because of Megan. Yes. Like, she, Lily had a boyfriend. Yeah. What I don't even remember his name was Brad. Brad, Brad Daniels. There you go. He was such yeah, a Brad, Brad Daniels that we was named- actually the former drummer. Right. He is actually so he's a little bit vilified because he's actually believed to be the the thing that was holding the band down. Right. Well, he totally was. Have you heard any of their music from that era? Yeah, I've actually heard a couple bootlegs. Um, right. I heard no. a couple bootlegs from their San Antonio gigs. Like yeah. they were pretty terrible. They were yeah. awful. Right. I mean, the right. difference is Megan. Right. So I I don't think he's vilified. I think it's just true. 
Right. So when Megan arrived, um, Lily thought that she was um, hetero. Right. She was dating Brad. Mm -hmm. She was dating Brad. And uh, Megan uh, actually convinced her otherwise. (laughs) I I believe. uh, Do you remember the line? Because there's this great line that Megan says that says like Megan says to her. Right. Yeah. Because Megan's just so cool about the whole thing. Because Megan is just that cool. Always like she's just that cool. Oh, oh my God. Megan. <sighs> okay. Um, she, uh, no, I, so if I remember correctly from, um, from Lily's live journal, it was like, she just saw Lily and she saw her hanging out with Brad and she just walked up to her when Brad was like, just looking away for a minute and was like, Hey, you're gay. And Lily was like, whatever. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And then Megan kissed her. <laughs> yeah. And, was and then like, walked away. Yeah, yeah, no, you're gay. And then just walked away, yeah. And then Lily was like, what? <laughs> right, and then, like, everything changed. Right, everything um, changed, and they kicked Brad off the band, and then Megan came on, and Lily and Megan were dating for the first time. Yes. Yeah. So Starcrossed would be a perfect game right. to play those that interplay Lily, of Lily Megan and, and Lily. Megan. Yes, yeah. Lily, and play, Lily and Megan with the you can't get together because you know, I'm straight. I'm straight right? like, and I'm dating this guy and like, you know, but, we could you could you could you could play on that, I think. I think you could do some fun things with that. Till that tower falls. <laughs> Till that tower Til falls. That okay, tower so if falls. we're also now talking about the messy love oh, lives the messy of, love of the girls. Lives. These are there my are favorite. two other games. Yeah, these are my right? There are two other games we should do. Favorite. Yeah, so um one of them is uh, Emily Care Boss's Shooting the Moon, of course, because you know, we talked about everybody dated everybody, but there was a period of time in which Lily wasn't quite dating anyone, but Megan and Ashley were both trying to date her, right? Yes. Yes. And um and they both are I mean they're both very different, right? Like very like yeah. Megan is unflappably cool and Ashley yeah. is probably anything but Yeah, Megan Megan cool. could be Megan could be on Cowboy Bebop. She is like that level of just like cool. Yeah. Right? A- Ashley, on the other hand, could be like on an episode of Cops. Yes. Right. Like, yes. like like swearing and trying to squirt like lighter fluid on your car because yes. she's angry with you. Yeah. yeah, she 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 runs hot. <laughs> All of her yeah. emotions run hot. Love, lust, anger, fire, you know. Absolutely. That's so just Ashley. For that, Emily Care Boss is shooting the moon where uh, there is a love triangle. Uh, it's not even a triangle. It's, it's not a, a triangle. Love v. It's a V. Yeah. yeah. So so Lily would be the beloved in that situation. You yep. could play this with two or three people. Either way, Lily is the beloved. So someone either plays Lily or not. And then um, and then you play Ashley and Megan. Um, trying to get trying her Trying to win Lily's affection, right? And then you, you basically see which time is it? Is it the time that Lily dated Ashley? Or is it the time that Lily went and dated Megan again? Because... Yeah, you're, you're actually historically accurate no matter what. Yeah, no matter what, what you do, yeah. you're going to end up historically accurate. So it's yep. fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great. And then lastly, if we're talking about the Romance Trilogy, um, then we also should talk about uh, the original game from the Romance Trilogy, which is Breaking the Ice, uh, which is a one-on-one dating yes. uh, game. And in that one, um, you could really play any two of the girls. Yes. Um, kind of going on first dates and things like that. Yes. You just uh, play back at the beginning of the band before everything got super messy, like the f- for the first first dates. I mean, you could honestly, you could play Starcross. Yeah, for right into breaking. Yeah, the ice, you really could. Right into shooting the moon. <laughs> right into shooting and you've the covered moon. Covered like two years of the band. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
totally could happen now. And then from there, you just drift right into the drama system. <laughs> yeah. Just move it on. Absolutely. So that's how you would make it a campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could. <laughs> Who says a campaign has to just be one system? Right. right. Yeah. No, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. Um, that is. I. I I'm. Oh. Anytime we on the show get a chance to talk about the titulars, yeah. I, I'm always excited. Always so, super um, excited. Yeah. A, we're big fans. Well, should big we fans. should we super see if we can squeak in the last question here? I think we can. We're at, uh, yeah, we're right. by the way. Um, we're at 30 minutes right now. Yep. I think we can easily drop in this question and roll yeah. out. All right, cool. So question number three for today is from Mimosa Vendetta, who's also on Twitter. And she asked us, as a beginning GM, is it better to start out with a full campaign and just dive in headfirst or run a few one shots and figure things out first? So, so. we're going to do a short version of this and still split it into one shots and campaigns, right? So. Right. The answer is yes. Yes. Right? It works both, both. ways. So we're <laughs> going to talk about how to make it work from both angles. Right. So basically, the, the, the nice thing about one shots and the nice thing about them as a new GM is that they give you the opportunity to try things out and they don't have a lot of consequences associated with them, right? So like, if you try a thing because you're like, oh, this is going to be so cool and then you do it and it goes, it's not a big deal. Because it was a one shot. Um, or if you just need to practice like some of your GMing chops and get better at some of the skills that go with GMing, the eight different skills. You know, if you go back and listen to that episode. Eight, probably. Eight, probably. <laughs> Where we sure, listed eight. five, I think. Um, you know, one shots are a really good way to practice that kind of thing without having like consequences or the pressure of keeping something ongoing with the same people and then having to try and fix if you did make mistakes, that kind of thing. Um, so it gives you a way to wade in a little bit and basically dip your toes in the water. The other thing about one shots that's really nice if you're doing it as a new GM is that it gives you the opportunity to try a bunch of systems, right? So it means you don't have to jump in and immediately commit to whatever this is that you're playing. Like, okay, but this one, we're going to play this one for the next 12 months. And then you get like three weeks into it and you go, from a GMing perspective, I don't know if I like this game. <laughs> like, ah, so it gives you the opportunity to mess around with a bunch of different systems. And one of the cool things about playing lots of different systems and being polygamous is that, you know, different systems will give you different feels both for GMing and different tools for GMing. And sometimes you find a game that you really, really like, but it lacks a tool that you really liked from another game. If you know it from that other game, you can just implement it. So having some breadth can be really nice. And and it's so basically with one shots, the idea with starting with one shots is that you get breadth um, and you can mess around and play with things without a lot of negative consequences. Um, and you don't have to try and keep a story going or watch a campaign fizzle or whatever that is. Can I tack on to that? <laughs> yes, absolutely do. <laughs> so if one shots gives you breath, uh, campaigns give you depth. And there is something to be said for depth. Yeah. So the thing about the thing about your first game being a campaign is that first of all, campaign is kind of a subjective term. I recommend you give a listen to the Misdirected Mark episode called Arc of the Misdirected, uh, which talks about the length of arcs because a campaign can easily be six sessions. Right. It's a satisfying, that's a short campaign. Mm -hmm. I think when, you know, when people say campaign, you think like years of commitment, but six sessions is a plenty, um, is a plenty fine campaign. 
so is 60 sessions. But the thing that you get with campaigns, and one of the things that I remember as a kid when I first got into uh, RPGs that I thought was really cool, and a thing that I think stands out from a lot of board games, and I say a lot now because there are games that defy this, but the persistence part, where yeah. uh, things that happen in one session carry over to another, right? So leveling up NPCs, um, consequences for PCs' actions. Those are things that don't really come out in one-shots, where you get a really good chance to dive in and explore those things in campaigns. And so, like I said, this is where you get depth, because you're going to craft longer stories. You're going to do callbacks from sessions past, and you're going to build, you know, arcs that are going to, you know, you're going to put something out there in session two that you're going to pay off in session four or five. It's also fun. It can also be a lot more work. So I recommend, you know, don't go crazy with a campaign as your first game by building a 50-page campaign world. Like, don't do that. Take the idea of campaign as a set of interlocking adventures where the uh, consequences from one adventure carry over into the next, right? Like, keep that, keep that definition of campaign simple. As you get uh, more comfortable, you can make campaigns that are more complex, that have, you know, deeper campaign worlds and stuff like that. But really, when you're first setting out, the thing that you're going to get from campaigns is the long story. And just as it is important to be able to do one-shots, to be able to encapsulate a whole story to fit into a single session, two to four hours, there is a different skill for learning how to pace out a story to have it go over multiple sessions. And both of those are tools that you want in your GM kit. So I, I, I won't even say that there's a better one to start with. Right. You should do both. Yeah, you should. So here's what I will say. You should just start. Start somewhere. Yeah. It's start fine. With the one that, just start. start with the one that you feel the biggest connection to, right? So if you, you know, are like, oh, I totally want to do, like, one shots because I just, like, I, I, I know I can tell, like, a story. I don't know if I can tell, like, a long story. Then do some one shots first and build that skill up. But don't do it at the point of neglecting doing a campaign. At some point, turn around and start work, you know, and, and flip a game into a campaign or start a campaign. So that you actually hone those skills as well. And I will say for a long, long time, like within the last five or six years, I was fantastic at campaigns and terrible at one shots and actually had to learn how to run one shots because my default mode was to run, you know, three to six month to one year campaigns. I never ran one shots and I was really uncomfortable with it. But as I was, you know, kind of coming up as a designer and having to go to cons and run games, like, <laughs> had to you get have to good be able at, like, to run one shots. Yeah. yeah. Had, and, and it is a completely different skill set because it's a completely different type of pacing and a different type of storytelling. It will behoove you to have both. So. Yeah. And they're both fun. No. And yeah. I mean, what got me, what called to me about jamming was being able to play a bunch of games that no one else wanted to run. Right. And I wanted to play all of them. And I still want to play all of them. And so I can't play all of them in campaigns. There's not enough time in the world. Oh, I'll bring up one last thing about campaigns. Yeah. I knew there was something else I forgot. Yeah. Some game systems have either uh, steeper learning curves mm -hmm. or they have more, like they have a lot of mechanics to them 
and you don't always get the full experience of a game in a single one-shot. Like, for instance, Blades in the Dark is a game that actually benefits campaign play. There's a lot of things that happen as much fun as the mechanics are for doing a job, which is like the one-shot part of, of Blades. The longer play of the factioning and going up the ladder of, you know, of, of tiers of villains and things like that, that is only something you get out of campaign play. Yeah. Um, and so that game really opens up and like, you really have to open like a, like a wine. You really have to open up that game and let it breathe through a number of sessions. On top of that, that game is actually mechanically tricky to run and it's going to take you like five or six sessions before you're like, I'm running this game comfortably. I know what's going on. Like, yeah, I know, um, it, sometimes, I know it took you guys, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, not a lightweight table of you know, play, no. like players and GMs. And it was like, it was a little bit of a, you know, took us a little bit of a struggle to get there, but it was worth it. Like, I'm happy to have run it um, and looking forward to running some other games based on it. But I know that when I get my hands on them, that I'll be going for campaigns with that game. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What do you think? Yeah, I think we should wrap this sucker up. Alrighty, before we head into the closing, why don't you tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network? So, Zhang Hu Hustle is a podcast on the Misdirected Mark Network where you can train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Zhang Hu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films, then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. So cool, right? And if you want to listen, I know. And if you want to listen to me try to talk about Wuxia, because I know nothing about it, then you can listen to the one about the white snake, because uh, it's very romantic. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us at Pandas Talk Games on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. I have some emails in the inbox that I know are sitting and waiting that I have not responded to. And I love you all. And I'm sorry. It's not because I don't love you. (laughs) If you uh, do reach out to us via email or elsewhere on social media, we would love to get uh, topics from you. We love getting questions as just witnessed tonight as we answered uh, some of your questions. We also like to get bigger topics. Sometimes you'll send it in thinking it's a show topic. Sometimes we'll think it's just, um, we'll think it's enough to do on a grab bag. Sometimes you'll send in a simple question and then we'll blow it out into like one or two episodes. Um, there's no predicting that. It's however I, <laughs> it's however I pick it up and read it. Is whatever what happens. happens in Phil's brain. That's yeah, what you and get. it's whatever happens week to week. So if, even if you've sent something and are like, man, Phil never answered it. It's not like I've forgotten. It's on a giant list and it's whatever catches my eye on a given week. Yes, indeed. Um, so please send them in. We love talking about the things that you want us to talk about. I mean, we'll sit here and talk to ourselves all day long. <laughs> I mean, all you'll I get mean, is ditch lilies, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want to hear, it's fine. <laughs> but if you send topics, we'll answer them. Um, we love to do it. Besides topics... What else can uh, people send us that uses our social media, also makes us kind of uh, cool and happy? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time you're going to sit down at a table and play an awesome game, especially if you're going to play a Ditch Lilies game, we super duper duper want to know about it. So take a picture of you and your crew playing that cool game. Post it on the social media of choice. Twitter is the easiest one for us to find it on. Hashtag it table selfie and we will swing by and like it. 
Yeah, and if you have any old concert pictures of you at any Ditch Lily concerts oh, yeah. uh, from the 90s, oh, man. totally post those yeah, as well. Totally, we want to see those. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you like what we do here else or elsewhere on the Mr. Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of wacky and cool stuff. They get the bonus outtakes. Not from this Probably show, not but this from show. other shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, they get the after show from the Misdirected Mark podcast. Uh, they get uh, things that we write, things that we create. They get access to our awesome Slack Room for Life. And we like to shout out to our patrons uh, at the end of a show. So we're going to shout out to a couple patrons tonight, uh, starting with John Smith, the Duke of the Workshop. Wow, that's a good title, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. P.K. Sullivan. Uh, and Danny Silva, thank you so very much for your patronage. I think it's Dan- Say, I think it's Danny Sylvia. Right, because the other thing we do is we often mispronounce <laughs> names as we do the patrons. So Danny Sylvia. Yeah. Did I say right? Yeah, I think so, because there's yeah. an I. S-I-L-V-I-A. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for your support. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. If you are already backing the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, which is okay, there's another thing you can do that always makes a smile. It's like hugging a panda and uh, often results in some amount of Twitter traffic when it happens. Uh, (laughs) What is that thing? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. We really, really seriously appreciate your reviews. They do actually help new people find the show. We love you all for leaving reviews. And um, basically, it's like giving us a panda hug. So it makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. And I usually squeal and then try not to blow up Phil's phone if he's in the middle of a meeting. I try to blow it up when he's not in the middle of a meeting. Appreciate him. Yeah, you know, like that. So... Leave us a review. <laughs> awesome. So, Phil, show me how you're going to get all your work done for this sprint of Turning Point. I'm going to start brewing some coffee right now. <laughs> show me what you got. Show me what you got. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. And I have audio. I love three, that song. Three, two, one, let's jam. No, you know, it's not three, two, one, let's jam. It actually says okay uh-huh. first, right? Doesn't it? It's uh, yeah, okay. I was like, three, okay, three, two, two one, let's one, jam. Let's jam. Yeah. Uh, today's episode was much better than the weird space blob uh, episode. <laughs> I have to send you a link to the. I gotta send you a link to the the music video for that. It's pretty this awesome. one had um, this one had uh, what is vicious in it again, and uh, um, it uh-huh. ends. It's a two parter. I think it's called Jupiter Blues, and it ends um, with Spike laying in the snow. Looks like he's been shot. So. Good stuff. So anyway, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad that you're continuing to watch yes, it. Yes, <laughs> my continued watching of Cowboy Bebop, uh, only 20 years later. Um, but sure, like you know, it's, it's all good. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgive I'm, you. Uh, I'm juggling. I get to like pop explain something to you. Yes. like I get to share something with you. It's exciting. Yes. I um I was juggling that and uh, Cobra Kai, which is amazing, and um, yeah. 
And then I think when those are done, I'm going back to watching Steven Universes. Like, I need to binge a bunch of Steven Universes. I'm behind a couple seasons. I do too. Seasons. I've been, but Hulu... I'm behind a couple I seasons. I think Hulu loaded up, so... I think they did. My son and I are catching up on the ones that he hadn't seen before that I watched without right. him. Hey, uh, podcast listeners who have no idea what's going on when we record these things. Uh-huh. Um, we, we are recording this on a Friday. Right, which means I get to turn it around in not very much time. Yeah, so it's going to be a little shorter than a normal episode. Yeah. Um, but we're uh, probably still, not going to have bonus outtakes this week. Yeah, unfortunately, we need to like we need to do uh, content instead of our normal kind of ridiculous rambling lead up. Although <laughs> I, I can say before we jump in uh-huh. uh, that we cast the um, we have um, we have found pictures of the ditch lilies. We did find pictures of the ditch lilies. There's another. There's some things we need to talk about before we jump into the show, and one of them is that we found pictures. Of the ditch lilies. Yeah, we're going to, in the weeks to come, we're going to um, uh, touch those up. Um, they're mm-hmm. like some old bitmap pictures that were taken with like some two megapixel cameras. Yeah, we're going to fix um, them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to fix them up a little and, uh, and we're going to get those out so people yeah. uh, can some, see it. Some um, cleanup. Yeah. I'm trying to find like an old um, fan page. Like I, there's a couple old fan pages I used to follow. Yeah. They were in a, um, they were in, um, what was it, a ring? Ditch Lilies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ditch Lilies um, yeah. web ring. Yep. Yeah, Ditch Lilies web ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I was totally down with that, like cruising that on my Netscape navigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, we'll just throw that out there. Like, there's there's going to be, we're working on, we're working on cleaning some of that stuff up because we know there's a lot of Ditch Lilies fans out there and we also know exactly how hard it is to get a hold of any of their stuff, right? And yeah, since I mean, we, we are like the biggest fans, like right. I mean, we know where the Russian wear sites <laughs> are where you can download their their music because you're not going to find it on iTunes. No, and you're not going to find it anywhere legitimately on the internet. Only, um, only uploaded to Russian wear sites after the crackdown on Napster. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Napster, the good old days. <laughs> Yeah, so I got the most amazing panda rice shaper thingy that I haven't gotten to use yet, but I'm super awesomely excited about. Anyway, it, yeah. I mean, I don't I've know. Seen it. I don't know. I don't. I feel bad. I don't know. I don't. I think I'm going to say Richard because I don't know if you go by Rich. I think if you go Richard, in post, you just fix this to the correct. It's fine. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I already thanked him on Twitter because it's super awesome. There was an origami panda in the thing, too. Super I was, awesome. Super awesome pandas. Anyway, good. Now we can start the show. Bloop. And now let's get on with the show. Done Are you ready? The show. Wow. Wow. Here we go. Bloop. Oh, we're doing the second one. It's Friday and we're recording a really fast show. Yep. We're going to see how this goes. Good. Our our bloop and he's at Boudet on Twitter. I remember. <laughs> um, I don't remember Michael's handle. I feel bad now. Anyway, bloop uh, and then um, I totally lost my train of thought because my computer did a stupid update thing. Not now, Adobe. See, bloop what? <laughs> you make me edit that. <laughs> Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Good. Carry on. You're so, supposed to do your part now. Bloop. Before we head into the closing of the show, why don't you tell me about another episode on the Misdirected Markdown? 
another what on the misdirected market network Bloop. yeah he, 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 he should have given me a burn ball for that burn on the wear gator earlier today about cosplaining. Yeah, that was, I was proud of myself. I love Sublime. <laughs> I got a long story about that. I'll tell you later. All right. Bloop. Say, Senda, this is your line yeah, because but I, didn't I didn't actually didn't, color yeah. it or put the name on it. Yeah, so I, I was just guessing on that one. So, Phil, uh, what? Oh, so see, the actual notes have it as one and two. Yes. So one is always who's ever the first person who starts the, the show. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Here's a little hint. If the person, whoever says hi first. I know, it's the person who the says the end, question. but then okay. it was black Since and it didn't have my name. First. Yeah, <laughs> and what I said, I didn't label it, nor did I color it. But anyway, okay, ready? Go ahead. Ready, good. Bloop. Brewing show coffee, huh? Show, show me what you got. 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 46 minutes. I know. Nailed it. Nailed it. You know Nailed what? It. If we could do that every week, oh my we God. could be a short form pos- we podcast. We could almost be a short form podcast. <laughs> Bloop. But we're not doing this all the time because it doesn't have as many laughs in it. No, and we like doing the laughing parts. Yeah, that part's like completely gratuitous for us. Right. That part's really for us because I like outtakes and I like making them and I like listening to them because I'm weird like that. Bloop. No. What? what? Oh no! What? What? I, I I'm looking what? and I'm like my mic is spiking a lot and I'm like why is that happening? And then I look down at Audacity. No, you didn't. And for the first no. time, like forever, no, it says built-in microphone. Oh no! Son of a bitch. I mean, the levels are really high. I don't think it's going to be really low. It, it, it just may quiet. not sound as good. That's a, well, Son of a I bitch. I will do the best that I can with it. Oh, and he, fucking episode is due. <laughs> I know. Just, it's, it's we fucking, couldn't get it on Monday. Doomed. It's Friday night. We're doing it. Oh, the fucking microphone didn't work. Son of a <sighs> bitch. I, that is the, that has never happened to me. It's happened to you. I once. know it happened to me well, once, and it affected two episodes because we recorded them two at a time. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna when we stop this, I'm gonna do a quick playback and see how bad it is. But I can tell you right now, the waveforms are huge. So right, um, I like it's not going to be too low. Like you're you're gonna actually have to gate it. I think a little um, and um, bring it back down. Yeah, I mean, as long as the levels are there, we're probably okay. Because yeah. mine, when I did it, I was sitting really far away from the computer, but close to the mic. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a foot and a half away from it. So I think we're okay. But oh, son of a bitch. I get what an amateur night. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, we're not oh, reshooting it either. It, yeah, there is you... no time to redo no this time. one. All right. Say goodbye. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, damn.